Let's go through every single package installed with a Linux install image. I'm going through the software included with Slackware, but these are all open source applications and libraries, so whether you're running Slackware like me, or Fedora, Debian, BSD, or even Mac or Windows, you can probably download, install, and try these on your computer. So chances are, you'll be able to learn something from this podcast. Let's get started. And we're starting with media-player-info. Yes, that is correct. We're doing a package that does not start with LIB. That is very, very exciting. Media-player-info is not strictly a library, actually. Um, it, it is stored in the slash lib directory, but it is not, strictly speaking, a compiled library. Instead, it is a series of .mpi files, which are just um, INI files. They're little configuration files with square brackets followed by uh, key value key pairs. And the um, the thing that is... I'm just trying to grep for something really quick. Uh, here we go. Uh, the, 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 the files exist as ways of describing media players, as you might have guessed from the name of the package. So, for instance, here's a media player called the Philips Go Gear Opus. Um, Opus is unrelated entirely to the codec, but it's funny. It's a funny example to use because um, it's recognizable and yet not recognizable. So anyway, I'm going to more slash usr slash share slash media dash player dash info slash Phillips underscore go gear dash opus dot mpi. So this is one of the files included in this package, and it says square bracket device square bracket product equals go gear space opus. So that's the the product name. Vendor equals Philips. Access protocol equals storage. So this is going to be seen as a storage device, or it wants to be seen, I should say, as a storage device. That's the default setting for go gear opus. It's using that MTP protocol, probably, that we were talking about, I don't know, a long time ago, in the lib MTP section, probably. Uh, square bracket, media, close square bracket, input formats equals audio slash x dash wave. Output formats equals audio slash mpeg, audio slash x dash ms dash wma, audio slash x dash flac, that's cool, audio slash aac. Square bracket playlist, close square bracket. Formats equals audio slash x dash mpeg url. Square bracket storage, square bracket playlist path, oops, playlists, no, yeah, playlist path equals playlists, and then audio folders equals music, semicolon video, semicolon record, all in capitals. So you can kind of see how this, I mean, at least if you've ever owned a media player, you can kind of see how this kind of describes or, or could describe a media player that you yourself could might come across at some point. You know, it's it's a product. It's got a vendor. It, there's a certain way of accessing it. It accepts wave input because it has an inbuilt uh, microphone. It, it has an output of MPEG and WMA and FLAC and AAC. It has playlists that you can use of a specific format. Here's where those playlists would be stored on that device. Here's where the music files that you would want to play back would be stored or the, the recordings that you would want to play back. Oh, and yeah, you can also do video. So... 
this is um this is describing the capabilities of this media player the question obviously i think is why how does your computer know what to do with this .mpi file well their configuration files um stashed in uh user share media player info and i did say that some of this was kept in lib uh so the other component of this is indeed in lib/lib slash udev slash rules dot d and this uh these rules of course are associated with udev which is the hardware abstraction layer sort of um except not it's udev um that was kind of a a weird reference to an old the old before udev there was hal hardware abstraction layer uh hal i didn't love although to be fair it was quite i was still kind of a new linux user when i had to deal with hal this was back in slackware like 12.0 12.1 maybe 12.2 um or yeah i i imagine I don't believe Pat would have switched to UDEV in a point in a dot release. So it, surely Hal would have had to been around for 12, 12, 1, 12, 2. And then 13 must have been the start of UDEV. It's really funny to think about um, the fact that I was a new Linux user three versions of Slackware ago. But if we, if we measure it by Fedora time, it's 30, something like 32 versions ago. <laughs> That's weird. That is a little bit weird to think about. But I mean it's accurate, right? I mean that's that's the that's the Slackware guarantee. You 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 will be able to look back just a couple of versions and barely remember like what Linux was like back then and then and then you'll yeah. Um so anyway, UDEV what it does, and this is kind of an interesting thing is UDEV sits on your computer, obviously it's software on your computer and it listens for things being attached to your computer it probes that device and then it it allows you to sort out what to do with that device based on a set of rules now i will admit i'm i'm quite i'm overall i'm quite happy with udev i think it does its job really well i will admit the rule syntax i don't i don't love the rule syntax i i do believe it could be a little bit more elegant um but it 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 does its job generally speaking i i'm not convinced that it restarts when i tell it to restart i'm i'm very much very much all about rebooting your computer if you're changing your udev rules that's just a, i i do not believe it will work without a reboot that is my belief um based on a lot of testing so it, it is it is good though i mean i i see the logic behind it i see what it's what it thinks it is doing I, th- I see what it's meant to do, what it's designed to do. I quite like it. So in slash lib slash udev slash rules dot d, there's a 40 dash USB dash media dash players dot rules, and it has a series of, of actions that it's listening for because you can have different kinds of actions that udev could detect. For instance, you could add a device to your computer by plugging it into your USB port, for instance, or you could remove that USB device. You can you can ignore the remove, right? This UDEV rule, if you're removing a media player, this UDEV rule doesn't have anything to say about that. That's not what the media player info package is all about. It wants to detect when a media player is attached and then do something based on what 
media player it is. And the thing that it's doing is it's associating that MPI file with that device. So this, this, these rules, it listens for an add or a change action. And then, and, and in fact, it says the very first line is action exclamation point equals add pipe change go to media player end. So it is saying if the action is not either an add or a change, then go to media player end. Like just go to the end of this of this uh, file. And the way this is one of the things that uh, the the way that you sort of provide markers in um in the udev rules is you just you you make a label label equals media player end and then you just have nothing after it it's a little bit a little bit awkward i don't know don't love it um i mean i you know i also didn't write udev so I mean, maybe that's just maybe that was just the easiest way to do this and, and i i I understand. I, I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want something more complex than it had to be. So, um, so then the, the next line here is uh, catch MTP devices. That's a, a comment. But so what that's saying is that the uh, environment of the dev type has to equal a USB underscore device. So if if you're if you if you know you dev is monitoring something and if you attach um, what other kind of ports are there an audio does it detect audio? Surely it detects audio. Yeah. Uh, you 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 plug in an audio uh, cable that's not USB, then it's it's going to ignore it. In this case, it it doesn't care about that. It's only going to catch the device devices that are classified as USB underscore device. And it says explicitly in that case, if you're if if you dev detects that, it's going to go to the label of media underscore player underscore start uh, and. And it goes on like that for a while, but I mean, the the meat of the of the script is that it's listen, it's looking for the attributes, specific attributes. So it's got attrs curly brace vendor close curly brace equals equals quote asterisk for a wildcard apple close uh, well asterisk close quote comma and attributes for the model would be ipod and in, th- in that case then it's going to create an environment setting id media player equals apple underscore ipod so that's the quick and easy way to detect for for you dev to detect whether you know is this an apple device well if it is then it's going to give it the label or the environment variable apple underscore ipod and now everything that needs to know what this thing is can just query for an environment variable and discover okay it's an apple underscore ipod got it and there's a couple of others that get explicitly listed in this rule for instance there's the motorella motorola phone version 3i or something uh there is a series 60 phones for nokia there's rock any rockbox media player there's a sony psp i don't exactly know why those get called out i, th- I think because the i I'm, I'm guessing because the id product values the the firmware that gets burned into that device by the manufacturer um i'm, I'm assuming because they they have they must have either just one um product id for a bunch of different models 
or because they have too many product IDs to count, maybe. I'm, I'm not, yeah, that must be something like that. Yeah, so, yeah, anyway, um, th- th- that, that, so it must just make sense, like, okay, well, these, these, ne- just, just give them this label, you know, just, just give them this environment variable to ident- identify them, because it doesn't really matter whether it's a, a Slim or a Nano or a Pico or a whatever, an Opus, it's just, it's just one, it's one of those things. Um, whereas for, for the other, the other set of things in that you could possibly plug in there are the in this package there's the hwdb uh file in libudevhwdb.d slash 20 usb media players dot hwdb so hwdb is uh, a subsystem within udev to provide really just the the you know it, it's kind of the the, the most frequent use of udev probably uh, may possibly like it's a really common function to to look for for to to be writing a, a rule for udev to say okay if if it's this vendor and this product then label it as such and such or or give me permissions to 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 access it as a normal user or whatever so to just associate a a product ID and a vendor ID to a a known quantity to a to a thing you can use a hardware database it's a key value store for associating mod alias like keys i don't know what that that is that means it's from this is from the man page of hwdb to udev property like values uh, it is used primarily by udev to add the relevant properties to matching devices it almost makes more sense if you just look at the file because it's really obvious what it's doing, I think. Uh, so again, that's in libudevhwdb.d20-usb-mediaplayers.hwdb, and it does the you know, first line comment. Is that the first line? Yeah, first line comment liquid. Okay, so this is like uh, an Acer device called a li- called liquid uh, USB colon v zero five zero two p three two zero two asterisk id underscore media underscore player equals Acer underscore liquid id underscore media underscore player underscore icon underscore name equals multimedia player dash player all right picture that um except how many times uh, three thousand times call it three thousand so lots of them i mean they're actually it's a, probably a lot less than three thousand because every single item has four three or four lines associated with it so let's say a thousand times it's a lot but but that's the that's the syntax is hey if you detect something that comes up with this metadata because this metadata got burned into that physical device by the manufacturer then label it as this thing give it this icon name and the thing that is it's being labeled as of course maps back to the mpi files included in this package and so udev is able to mark a a player that you've plugged into your usb port as a specific player according to a hardware database and then it is able to or and then other things that might care are able to look for information about that specific thing. So if you're writing a media, you know, like a podcatcher or a media 
playing application that you want to be able to sync back and forth to a media player, then you know now that you can use, that you can query id underscore media underscore player. That's the, the environment variable that would be associated with a media player. Grep for that name, Acer underscore liquid, or apple underscore ipod or uh, whatever and then from there you can look up the mpi file to find out what what you need to know just by default what you what what do you need to look at this storage device or at the at this media player device as is it is it just mtp storage or is it something else some other protocol what library needs to interact with and so on. That's what USB media player info does. And like I say, I think UDEV is, um, it it is, I think the rules are a little bit clunky um, in a way, but I think that overall, I think it does its job really, really well. And I've been, I've been pretty happy with it. I mean, I don't get like really excited about having to write a UDEV rule. That's never happened. I I never think, oh, cool. Now I get to go in and troubleshoot UDEV. This is going to be great. Um, I'm much more excited when something just magically works. That's really nice. But I mean, that's just not realistic. You know, I mean, like new hardware not listed in UDEV or, you know, no one's come up with a rule for that yet or whatever. You just have to mess around with it. The The point is that, that once you kind of understand how to do UDEV, how to write that rule, what you need to be looking for, then it, it does eventually work. Like, it, it, it's dependent upon your logic, your understanding of certain conditions within UDEV. I think that my main problem with UDEV, I think, is that it's, there's never, it's really difficult to, to sort of, like, you think of UDEV as a cause and effect, you know, like, if this device gets added, then do something. But in the syntax of the UDEV rule, there doesn't really seem to be a differentiation between the if and the then. Action equals equals add, comma, go to equals blah. That's that's kind of common, because, like, if the action is add, then go to this label. Okay, that's cool. But it can get a lot more complex than that. I mean, even if it's just action equals add, blo- um, what is it, uh, subsystem equals block, id, or, yeah, um, attru- a- attribute equals, or, you know, attribute id product equals 0001 attribute, ID vendor equals zero 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 eight comma en uh, yeah env uh, curly brace um i my string close curly brace equals blah where's the then in that in that statement i mean it's 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 the last one i guess like i guess you could think of that but that's not that doesn't say to me that that's a then that just says that that's just more possibly that's more stuff to look for i don't know looking at it it's difficult to differentiate like the parts that are querying a device or or parsing data and setting new data. I think that's my main thing about the UDEV syntax. Moving on to mhash. mhash is a C library that helps you create a hash. We talked about I think hashes a little bit and salting and things like that uh, a while ago. I don't remember if we just talked about the hash part. I don't know a whole lot about it, so I'm going to, it's going to be quick. First of all, confusingly, and and I'm sure that there's a good reason for this. They're probably related mathematically or something, but hashing bizarrely has two different definitions in programming in the programming world. There's, you can make a hash 
as a, a map or you can hash a thing. Like I say, I'm sure they're related. I, I'll bet someone out there who knows the low-level sort of theory underneath all of this stuff will will, will know. But um, for for us sort of generalists, um, it, it can be a little bit of a confusing conversation point. So you can make a hash map or, or you know, just hash. You can you can be hashing something and 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 you're just you're you're saying okay well here's a set of here's some things and here's the data that relates to those things and how do you get how do you keep track of object a data set a object b data set b how do you how do you associate those to one another that's a hash map and that is a valid use of the word hash the other use of the word hash is a technique this is a mathematical process of generating a a, a definitively a fixed size um, output from something that is of an unknown length. So for instance, if, um, well, the simple one, I guess, although, I mean, I wish there was a simpler one, but um, the simplest one would be echo, quote, hello, close quote, pipe md5 sum space dash dash text. I don't know if you actually need the dash dash text. Um, yeah, you don't. So just echo hello pipe md5 sum. That takes the word, the string hello, and does some math functions to produce a file that, is, or not a file, a, a number that is roughly a 36 and then minus a couple more. So I don't know, let's say 32 digits long, give or take. I, I, I'm I not counting them, but I just did a WC-C and it came out with 36. There are some extra characters in there. So anyway, let's say 32. That seems likely. 32 digits long. Now, that's that's the word hello, right? So if I do the world the, the word hello world, which is is longer still, I get a different number, but it's still 32 digits long. And I could put in hello world. This is uh, a beautiful open source day. Still 32 digits long. So I've got variable lengths of input here and I'm reducing them down to a to a to a string of of hex hexadecimal you know, this number of hexadecimal a hexadecimal number uh that is 32 digits long no matter what it's it's a little bit magical and you can kind of imagine doing that with some kind of function of what what is it like i guess th- is it 3 or 9 or i guess both 3 and 9 are pretty fancy right cuz i think no it's 9 that i'm thinking of where the the sum of the two digits if it's divisible by 9 always add up to nine so you could you could imagine sort of like in a super simple like elementary grade uh, level mathematics understanding such as is my understanding of math um you can kind of imagine how that would work you know you could you could probably come up with some really poor poorly implemented and very inefficient way of taking a, a string of digits and maybe translating them to numbers through some kind of you know caesar uh, caesar uh, script uh and then and then adding them up until you reach you know two digits every time or one digit every time or something like that i mean not it wouldn't be the best way of doing things because then how would you unhash it but you know what i mean like so 
it's it's a mathematical thing where you you take things and you reduce them to numbers or you interpret those numbers, run them through a function whereby in the end you have 32 digits to represent that thing. And if if anything changes about that, then that that number changes. So if I um if I do echo hello through md5 sum and i get um i get b19 b19 blah 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 184 that's that's great that works but then if i do echo hello with a capital h instead of a lowercase h just one little tiny change then i get a, re- a return value of 09f blah 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 3 uh, 3b3 so completely different number with just one little tiny change something that you might not even think would even be that big of a deal i mean it's the same letter right well of course it's not really uh change the o to a zero again totally totally different it might look the same but it's totally different so this is obviously something that is used a lot when you're downloading files from the internet because and, and you want to make sure that you're getting the exact same file that the author claims that they posted, then you could use this. And I mean I, I calculate for whatever for whatever good it is, I calculate the um the SHA two fifty six sums of each episode of this podcast in fact so if you were ever um unclear as to whether you know if if one of the episodes cut off in the in the middle and you think oh did did i not download the whole episode did it get truncated somehow you could in theory do a sha 256 sum of your file and then go back to my website uh, gnuworldorder.info and look at the sha 256 sum of that that i believe i posted and if they're the same number, then yeah, you might want to email me and tell me, hey, you, you only posted half an episode. Or if they're different, then you real you, you would know you didn't you didn't get the full you didn't get the file that I posted. You got some something else, maybe part of it, maybe uh, maybe something that got corrupted in the in the transfer, whatever. It's not the same. So that's uh, the practical use for that. And mhash is the way that you would do all of those things through just in your C code. Next up is MLT. This is a video editor. MLT. This is the back end for video editing, and um, it's a really, really useful library, as it turns out, because not just one, not just two, but at least three open source video editors are based on on MLT. And I think when you start to see that, that's kind of, that that says something, you know, like that's, that is, that's, um, that's a thing about open source is, is you, you start to see the proliferation of, of a component throughout lots of different iterations. And, and you realize just how useful this model can be. And, and this is an interesting one because you might, the counter argument to that, which I think a lot of us have made sometimes in the past and and because it's easy to fall into this the counter argument to that is well why do we need three like why if if there's a video editor and it works perfectly well like why bother with three of them let's just put all of our efforts into the one and that's because not all video editor humans like the people actually editing using the applications we're not all necessarily the same we don't all like the same thing. And so the fact that you can use Cadian Live and you're you're using MLT 
uh, on the back end. You'll never know you're using MLT, but, but that's what's happening. And someone else can use Flowblade, and someone else could use Shotcut. They're all based around MLT. I mean, that's huge. That's a big deal, because that means that there is one effort going into the 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 editing part that's the mlt like that's what's actually doing the heavy lifting and then there's a whole other set of efforts going on in making the application itself look and feel and act in a way that someone happens to like better than another way cadian live and flowblade offer drastically different experiences um i default to cadian live it, it really is kind of the, the steadiest going right now and has been for a while uh shotcut is is really cool and i i, I do need to look at it again i i kind of got away from from looking at it uh but i i should check another i i should take another look at that uh, as far as i know shotcut is made by the same guy dan uh as who as the person who is who who works on mlt i, I could be a little bit wrong about that but that's as, as my memory serves um so yeah, it's really cool, and and MLT also has, as you can as you can see from the package list, it also has. Oh, my history is a lot longer right now than I realized. All right, so var log packages MLT. There we go. Um, MLT also has a command melt melt dash seven specifically, and melt the the melt um, command is the 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 terminal version the the version of this of all of the, the functions that MLT provides through its libraries um it, it also provides through this command now the command I don't think it is intended as a as an actual terminal editor like I don't believe that's the intent and I say that because the first line in the documentation for melt is melt was developed as a test tool for the MLT uh, framework so I don't believe that they intend for this to be a sort of deliverable you know release target I mean it is it is a release target it, it exists um, you can do what you want you can use it as as a, a, a terminal-based editor if you want. Um, I have had mixed results with it. Um, I, I can get it to do things, but it doesn't, when it plays, at least on my current Slackware system, it doesn't actually play. It just sort of, it, it shows a window um, that is a copy of whatever is behind it, um, and it appears to be playing. Sometimes I can hear the audio, but it doesn't play the video. I've tried piping it through AV format. I've tried lots of different things. It just doesn't seem to work. So that's been my experience right now. And that, again, just this is just the terminal component. So, you know, Cadian Live works brilliantly, works perfectly. Frame, uh, Flowblade works brilliantly. Like, no, no problems. It's just melt the command doesn't seem to know what to do with, with with the clips that I feed it. In theory, though, it is very cool, and the idea is that you can tell it to play a series of files one after the other, and suddenly you have got a, you've got a movie. That That's that's what a movie is, like that you've, you've now edited clips together. But it, that there's more to it than that, of course. You can 
you can set the in and the out points of of those clips. You can set filters. You can set the transitions between the clips. You can create video tracks and 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 list different tracks. That di- you know, put different video on different tracks and and com- uh, composite them and, and all kinds of things. So there is quite a lot you can do with the melt command. I think what the melt command uh, for me what is missing is the uh, any concept of a workflow. So for instance, if you're actually editing video on a in your terminal, you you need to know like you're not going to just know the in and out points naturally. You don't know exactly when to cut in and out. So you need to you're going to have to audition the clip and then you're going to have to mark your desired in and out point for that specific clip and then you'd want to work that into your edit and 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 then you'd want to output to to a some, some kind of render file eventually and it's, it's, I don't know. So it's it's I I see it's I see the the theory and I see and I think the the work the, the the workflow that does exist is super obvious and easy to to understand really i mean it is it's you just melt that's the command and then clip one dot um dot opus no dot uh web m clip two dot web m um and that's it you know i mean or or you could say like well you can do all the things that i told that i said you can mix them you can transition between them and so on so i mean it's and and that's all you do is you list it in the order that you want things to happen and and it, it kind of like it kind of works right i mean it's just really obvious um that is if if you can get it to play on your screen which i i cannot apparently right now um so it is it is kind of there is a certain beauty here to that i just for me to to take it sort of seriously as a terminal editor which is in itself kind of funny because nobody takes a terminal video editor seriously like nobody's looking for that it's just it is a workflow that is not optimal really like the the most obvious thing to do with clips of video is to put them into a video editing application so that you can audition each clip and then mark in and out and then put them in your timeline and so on. There, I feel like there's an established workflow that just kind of makes sense. I do personally feel intrigued by the concept of editing video in a terminal. I actually used to do it quite often when I was teaching film courses. There would be times where I would need to string things together. I've done it even more recently than that. I had to do a sort of a I did a fan edit of a of a horror movie because I didn't like the intro. So I reworked the intro and I couldn't be bothered to bring it into a video editor and I just did it in the t- in a terminal and it worked great. Um not with Melt, I did it with just FFmpeg. I used to do it with Implayer. So, yeah, it's it's a thing that I think does have a place. It has its use. And I think with Melt, the command, I think obviously the intent I think is for them to be able to test different Melt um Melt files. Melt, MLT, the whole thing, it speaks in XML. And so it, it creates these files. And if you look at like a Kadian Live um, save file, it's all XML. So you look at this and, and it, it's got di- different, you know, it, 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 it has XML with names of clips, the endpoints, the outpoints, the, uh, all of the different things around it. And then Melt, or MLT rather, uh, interprets that and, and ideally should be able to play it back for you. And in th- theory, unless the application developer has done a lot of very customized things with their application, like a a quote-unquote pure MLT editor ought to be able to just, you should be able to pass your your melt file from one editor to the next. Now, I know that shortcut and the melt command are, are, yeah, you can pass those two back and forth the last time I checked. 
I don't know if the same is true for Cadian Live and for Flowblade. It might be. I just haven't. I haven't looked into it. But but MLT is is very cool, and it it handles like the in and out points. It handles the concepts of video tracks and of filters. Filters are things that essentially are fed a frame from some source, from a producer as they call it, and and then that filter gives you a frame back with something probably, uh, with something changed, something is altered, like maybe it's been composited, maybe it's been turned black and white. Maybe it's been flipped or flopped. Whatever, that's what a filter is. And and that's that's cool because that then you can do video effects and things like that. So MLT is is I mean it, it is video editing on Linux, to be honest. I mean it really is. It is it is it is the back end for video editing on Linux. So if you're if you're using Flowblade, which you're probably not, Cadian Live, which you probably should be, Shotcut, which you can, uh, then you're using MLT. Um I don't know what, uh, what's the, what's the, well, Open Broadcaster, OBS, I mean, that's not strictly speaking, well, strictly speaking, it is a video editor, but nobody thinks of it as a video editor. I guess it's a video mixer. I don't think that's using MLT. And what's the other one? Um, OpenShot. I don't think that's using MLT, but I could be wrong about that. I mean, it's not listed on MLT's website, so I don't know. Yeah, it might not be using MLT. I don't remember. But it, it's a big deal. MLT is is a major force in video editing for Linux. Uh, and it's we're just we're we're really frankly just we're we're lucky to have it. It's just such a nice little toolkit. So uh, I think I'll stop it here. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening. My name's Klaatu. You can reach me anytime over email with feedback or comments, tips, or just to say hi. My email address is klaatu at slackermedia.info. You can also reach me on the Mastodon network, not klaatu, at mastodon.xyz. The show's intro and outro music is by Fat Chance Lester. You can find their music on bandcamp.com or on gnuworldorder.info in the archive you'll find a music directory containing the album from which this music has been extracted until next time thanks for listening and keep the source open
Okay, Hero, let's get you into your flight suit.